Praise God. Well, I'll sing mine now. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Mark again today. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10 is where we are on Sunday morning. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. And when you have it, say amen. Amen. Praise God. They'll have it on the screen as well. I want to throw in a, excuse me, throw in a little plug as well for Wednesday night church. Come on, Wednesday night. We've been having some good services. We're we're doing some teaching, preaching, preaching, whatever through the through the through the epistle of James. And so I believe you'll be blessed if you'll come on. Uh, if you'll come on Wednesday night, be a part of our Wednesday night church. Amen. Someone told me today um, that they, um, and it was a Wednesday night message, they had some questions about some things they were asking the Lord, and they were here on a Wednesday night, and through that message from the book of James, God answered the questions that they had. Now, isn't that awesome? That's God speaking to us from His Word, so we need to be open to His Word. And that's what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights. So come be a part of that. Mark chapter 10. I've got to get going here. Mark chapter 10. I'm, I'm kind of like that old song. Got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Amen. Mark chapter 10, verse number 28. Mark 10 and 28. Praise God. Then Peter began to say to him, to Jesus... Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say to you, there is not a man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive a hundredfold Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. Now let me read that that, that 30th verse again. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands, and notice these two words, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. Those are some fascinating verses of Scripture, those few verses, verse 28 through 30. Because when you look at that passage, you look at those verses of Scripture, you see that Peter there, in response to what Jesus had said concerning the rich entering the kingdom of heaven. And we talked a little bit about that. I think, was it last week, maybe? But uh, that it's not impossible for a rich person to be saved. As a matter of fact, I believe that God has some good, born-again, spirit-filled individuals that are rich. It's not impossible for a rich person to be saved. Jesus said that it's just... Very difficult. Nothing's impossible with God. Nobody that the Lord can't save. But he said it's very difficult because most of the time they're trusting in their riches and in something else other than humbling themselves and coming the way of the cross. 
And so Jesus, when he, or, or Peter, I should say, when he heard this, was concerned about leaving all. And he said to the Lord, he said, Well, Lord, we've, we've left everything to follow you. And that was a true statement because, I mean, they had given up a lot. Peter, James, John, Matthew, all of the disciples had left things and left behind things behind to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to become one of those, one of those twelve apostles of the Lamb. I mean, Peter and James and John had given up a very lucrative fishing business, uh, you know, to and left it all and and stepped out to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. If you remember Matthew or Levi, as he was referred to, was a was a he worked for the IRS. He was <laughs> he was <laughs> oh help me Jesus. He was a he was a tax collector. He was a publican, and the tax collectors in those days were very crooked. I'll just leave that right there. But anyway, they were uh, they were very crooked. They they deceived people. They um, they they cheated people out of money. And um, but Matthew left his tax collecting job to follow the Lord Jesus when the Lord called him. So they had given up. They had given up some things and they had forsaken things to follow the Lord. So when Peter said, "We've left all to follow you," yeah, that was true. But here's the thing about that and that, that, that we need to be aware of today, and we've made this statement before, and that is that, that Jesus Christ must have the first place in our life. And, and He's, you know, nothing can be secondary. Everything has, uh, I mean, nothing can be uh, preeminent above Him. Everything else has to be secondary to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and Matthew and all of these 12 apostles had, had left behind a lot of things and forsaken things to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are some things that we have to give up and forsake as well to follow the Lord Jesus. We have to deny ourselves. And the Bible says that we are to take up our cross and follow Him. And we've talked about that and we've preached about that. But here's the thing, too, that Jesus said and, and, and taught here in this passage, and that was that, that even though there are things that we give up, God will bless us for our consecration and our dedication to Him. Now, how many believe that? There is a blessing that the Lord has promised to give to us um, if we will follow the Lord and put Him first in our life. I mean, He has promised us that He would provide for us. He would take care of us. Listen, we are, and I may talk about this tonight, but we are, we are His sheep and He is the, the great shepherd of the sheep and He watches over us and He cares for us and He protects us and He provides for us. How many believes that? I mean, that's the promise that He's given to us. And so Jesus told, um, told Peter here, he said, listen, he said, uh, there's not anybody, when he said we've left all, he said, listen, there's not any man, any woman, anybody that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother, or wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels, whatever he's forsaken or given up for my sake and the gospels, but he'll receive, but what he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. 
houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and so forth and so on. So what Jesus was saying there basically was that whatever you give up for the Lord to follow the Lord, you know, it's nothing. Whatever you have to turn away from, whatever you give up to come to Jesus is nothing in comparison with what the Lord will do in your life and how the Lord will bless your life. Now, there's been a lot of teaching um, over the years by, by prosperity preachers and by what, what is better known, I think, as the greed gospel. There is a, there is a biblical prosperity, so don't, 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 don't go off of saying that I believe in poverty. I believe God wants to prosper His people. But there is a right teaching and a wrong teaching on prosperity, and that's not my message today. But there's been a teaching throughout the, uh, the last... Uh, what, 20, 30 years or whatever that on this, on this verse, on this hundredfold return, where preachers have taught that Jesus was saying that for every dollar you give to the gospel that you'll get back a hundred dollars for every, every dollar. And, um, and, and, and I just want to say, I don't have time to go into all that, but can I just tell you that is not what Jesus is saying there in that verse. He's not. And a lot of people have let that motivate their giving and saying, well, okay, I need, if I give a hundred dollars, you know, and get back a hundredfold return, if I give ten dollars and get a hundredfold return, or if I give a thousand dollars and get a hundredfold return, we know from experience that is not what Jesus was teaching. He's not teaching that you'll get a hundred for every dollar that you give. But He is teaching that whatever you give up for Him and if you follow Him and you consecrate your life to Him that He will take care of you and the blessings of the Lord will be great in your life. He will bless you. Amen? So, you know, if people that believe and teach this hundredfold return, it becomes, a, it, it, it becomes um, if you're believing that you give a dollar, get a hundred back, it becomes more of an investment than giving out of a heart of love. It becomes more of like a spiritual gamble or a spiritual slot machine where you're feeding this, pulling the handle, and believing that you're, you know, God's just going to give you a million dollars. Amen. Well, I'm going to tell you what. If that hundredfold return was, 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 a hundred for every dollar and there's many of you here that can testify to this as being faithful givers and tithers over the years we would all be multi-millionaires by now come on somebody and some of you nodding some of you are clapping and some of you just kind of shaking your head I don't know but but it does pay to serve God and that's what Jesus was teaching here that He's going to take care of us. How many of y'all believe that it does pay to live for Jesus? The best life that you could ever live on this earth is a life lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Nothing... Nothing that you would have to turn away from or give up can compare to a life lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he has promised this. The Bible said, Paul even said that godliness with contentment is great gain. And he also, Paul also told Timothy that godliness is profitable in all things. One of my favorite verses of Scripture that says, bodily exercise profits little. I said, amen. That's why I don't do a lot of it. 
Praise God. But, it said, but he said that godliness is profitable in all things, having the hope of life that now is and the hope of the life that is to come. So we got the best end, we got the best deal on both ends of the spectrum. We have our best, we have, our, we have the blessings of God now in this life. God takes care of us now, not our best life now. Listen to me, church. Anybody knows our best life is yet to come. But we do have a blessed life now living for the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was telling Peter, don't worry about what you've had to give up. Don't worry about what you've had to forsake. You're going to get it back now in this life and in the world and the life to come. Everlasting life. Eternal life. The best is yet to come for every born again blood wars child of God. Heaven awaits us. Can I get an amen? But Jesus also said this. Now this is the shouting ground that we're on right now when you get to talking about the blessings of the Lord and how the Lord provides and how it pays to serve God and we're, we're living a, a blessed life and to live for Jesus, the best life you could live. And Jesus tells them all this, but then He adds something in this. See, I didn't know... I, I, I knew I was going to preach from this passage in this text. And uh, so Monday I started looking at this text. And I started reading this text and meditating on this text. And the Lord speaks to you in the strangest, at the strangest times. And so I was just praying over it, asking God, how do you want me to preach this particular text on Sunday? And I was, I don't know if it was Tuesday morning, Monday or Tuesday morning, I was, I was taking my shower and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit dropped those two words in my heart from this text with persecution. With persecution. And immediately, just like that, I knew that that's what the Lord wanted me to share with you all this morning was, yes, we are blessed and there's not any better life that anybody could live than to live it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is shouting ground and we love to preach on the blessings and we love to preach on what God does for us but, and what He will do for us. And last Sunday, everybody here was shouting because I was preaching about with God all things are possible. And do you still believe that? It is still true. All things are possible. Nothing impossible. Nothing too hard for the Lord. And we shout about that and we stand on the promises and we believe the promises, but Jesus also said something else. And He said that even though we will be blessed living for Him, turning away from everything, following Jesus, it it does pay to serve the Lord, but it also costs us something to serve the Lord. And that's the part that people don't like to hear about is what does it cost us? And Jesus made the statement here and said that we, if we turn our back on the world and we turn our back on sin and we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are going to have persecution in this life. Now, don't, 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 don't leave me here. Are you with me? Is that what he said? You'll get a hundredfold blessings of God in this life with persecution. So the Bible says, Jesus Himself said to us that we would have persecution. Paul said this, All who live godly 
How many? A-L-L. He said, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And y'all were shouting just a minute ago on the blessings. So, we, you know, but, 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 but this is what I believe that the Lord wants us to hear today, this morning. And as your pastor, for me to teach and preach this this morning, because I believe that in these last days that we're living in, these last days that we're living in, that God wants the church and is telling the church, we must, we must prepare for the coming persecution. Now I'm not trying to I'm not trying to you know to scare anybody anything like that, but I am going to tell you this, the Bible says, Jesus said and all through the scriptures tells us that if we are living for the Lord, there will be persecution. And you know I'm you know we base everything upon the church here in the United States of America, but only 4%, only 4% of all born again believers make up the church in America. America. 96% of the church is in other countries. And believe you me, let me tell you something today. If you don't understand and know this, that, that, that every other nation on the face of this earth where there are those that are naming the name of Christ are suffering intense persecution right now. And they know that it costs them something. It does cost something to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are countries today where, where if you name the name of Jesus Christ, if you proclaim to be a Christian, you will either be imprisoned or you will be executed you will be killed, you will be martyred you will be tortured that's going on every day every single day and I believe that I read and I may be wrong so don't quote me but I know I'm sure some of y'all fact check me but I believe that I, that I, that I read that last year there were around two, in the world 200,000 Christians that were martyred that were killed and that gave their life for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all over the world. Thank God for this wonderful country of ours. Thank God for the United States of America. Thank God we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. Thank God that we have protection today. Amen. But I want to tell you that in these last days, if the Lord should tarry, we're not going this, the, 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 modern, the modern church in America is not going to escape the persecution that is coming upon upon this earth, upon all who name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Persecution is coming. Amen. It's coming to America. Brother Rick, it could never be. Let me tell you something. I'm seeing things happen in America now I thought could never be. Amen. We've, we've gotten a reprieve. We need to be praying like we've never prayed before for our country and for our government and for our president and for the upcoming elections. Anybody here? We need to be praying today. Uh, that the will of the Lord be done, that God will have His way, that the right individual be placed in there because, I, I, you know, and I'm not trying to be political and this is not my message, but can I tell you something today? That if the wrong person gets the leadership and the wrong people gain the leadership of this nation, it will be a death threat to the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Persecution is on the threshold. 
It's coming, church. It's coming. It's inevitable. When, we don't know, but it's coming. Now, why are Christians, believers, persecuted? What's the reason for persecution? Why would people want to persecute such wonderful, loving, kind people as we are? Amen? But there's a reason for persecution. And Jesus said, let me, let me read to you. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. We're, gonna, we're, we're just staying in the New Testament because we're a New Testament church. So I'm going to share some things with you. In, in, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. He said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So there's two things that Jesus said there were the reason for persecution. Number one, He said that we would be persecuted for righteousness' sake. We are persecuted because we have accepted Christ and He has given us righteousness and changed our lives. How many know, listen, how, now, how many of y'all know that Christians, when you get saved, when you get born again, that Christians are different? We're different from the world. He brings us out. Colossians chapter 1 said that we're delivered from the power and the authority of darkness and we're translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. So we're not a part of this world. Jesus said we as the church, as the, as the saints of God that have been born again, we're still in this world, but we're not a part of this world system anymore. The world system is, is in the grasp under the control of Satan and demonic powers. The, 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 the evil one, John says, has sway over the entirety of this world. So when you get born again, when you get saved, Jesus, Jesus cleans you up. Thank God for His grace. He washes you in His blood. He forgives you of of all his sins, of all your sins, and applies, gives you his very own righteousness. That's a pretty good trade. He takes away our sin and gives us, here, here's what he says I'll do. I'll take your sin and here you have my righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. I'm about to have a, have a spell here. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. But, but, but listen, because of righteousness' sake, because we live a different life, we are different. Listen, your life as a Christian, and, and I'm not talking about being holier than thou. I'm not talking about looking down on anybody that's not saved. I'm not talking on having a condemning or a condescending attitude toward anybody who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're, we're 
we're, we're, we're not here to condemn anybody. We are here to let our light shine. Your life as a Christian in this ungodly world, you should shine like a diamond in a coal mine. Come on. You should shoot, you, you should, you should be stand out like a gardenia in a garbage dump. Come on, somebody. Because the Lord has changed your life. There's something different about you. He has taken your sin and given you his spotless righteousness. So your life is different now that you've been saved and you've been born again. Your life is different. Peter said it this way that Peter in his epistle said that we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a I like this word. The King James says a peculiar people. Doesn't mean we're crazy, although the world thinks we are. But we are a peculiar people. Why? Because we don't fit in with the rest of the world and the world system. We don't fit in. Amen? We're going a different direction. A lady, <laughs> a lady called her elderly husband. She had sent him on an errand to the store to buy some things, pick up some things. She's she seen on the news. She called her husband. She said, hey, I just wanted to call you and tell you, you watch it. You be careful out there. I just saw on the news where there's some crazy guy going the wrong way on the interstate highway. And her husband said, you're telling me it ain't just one. They're all going the wrong way. <laughs> Amen. You know what? That's the way I feel. Do you ever feel that way? Because see, here's the thing. You as a believer, you're going the right way. And everybody that's outside of Christ is going the wrong way. You're swimming upstream. The Bible says there's a broad way and there's a straight and narrow way. We kind of get the idea that the broad way's over here and the straight and narrow's over here. But no, the broad way's running like this and the straight and narrow's running the opposite direction right up the middle of the broad way. And you're going up the straight and narrow and everybody's coming this way. Everybody's different. You stand out because you're not doing everything everybody else is doing and you're not living the way everybody else is living because Jesus has made a change in your life. And so as being righteous because of the life you live, the Bible said that persecution would come. You're Jesus said, the salt of the earth, right? You're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. The light is, is shining in a dark place. You cannot be hid if you're a child of God. You can't, you can't take your light and stick it under the chair and say, oh, I'm going to work today. But I don't want anybody to know that I got saved on Sunday. Because when you get saved, that light's going to shine. You're the salt of the earth. Amen. You're, you're the salt of the earth. What does that mean? Jesus didn't really mean that you were literal salt, but it's a metaphor because, you know, salt does several things. Salt preserves and salt purifies and salt salt uh, adds flavor. I can't eat nothing. I can't eat without salt. I gotta have salt. If there's one problem I have, uh, well, I'm sure there's more than one, but I like salt on my food. Amen? 
I, I take that verse literal where Job said, can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? And is there any taste? Job said this, is there any taste in the white of an egg? No, there's not. You got to put some salt on it to make it taste a little bit better. So we add flavor. We, we preserve. Amen. But one of the other things that characteristics of salt is that salt irritates. You put salt in an open wound. You put salt in an open cut. Amen. You, salt makes its presence known right away. It, it stings. It irritates that, that open wound. And that's the way you are. You're not trying to, to make anybody mad. We're not trying to cause a problem with anybody. But just your presence, just your life will be an irritation to those who are in the corruption of sin. You're the salt of the earth. And persecution will come simply because you are living for Jesus because of righteousness sake. Woo! Hallelujah. But because of the life we live but also because of the Lord that we love. Jesus said that we would be persecuted for His name's sake. I don't think anybody would disagree with me today that the world, this world system, hates Jesus Christ and they hate the name of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad they sang that song, What a Beautiful Name It Is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. Amen? Oh, thank God for the name of Jesus no other name that's great is the name of Jesus. But the world hates Jesus. And they hate the name of Jesus. And when you and I, you know, the, and here's the amazing thing. You can, you can, you can talk about uh, Muhammad or Allah or Buddha or Hare Krishna. Or you can, you can talk about anything and, and nobody gets upset. Nobody gets too excited. But oh, when you start talking about Jesus, Jesus Christ being Lord of all, hallelujah. When you start talking about Jesus, I mean, it's okay to pray, you know, in a public setting, but just don't use the name of Jesus. Ain't no need in you asking me. Is anybody asking me to pray over any sporting event or school function or anything else and say, don't use the name of Jesus because I'm going to use His name all the way through that prayer. There is no other name. Hallelujah. And the world hates the Lord Jesus Christ because of what He came to do. Because of who He is. He's the seed, the promised seed that God promised in, in Genesis 3 and 15 that He said, the seed, and He told Satan, He told the serpent, God said to the serpent, the seed of this woman will crush your head, will bruise your head. You will bruise His heel, which was a reference to what would happen at Calvary. They said when you bruise His heel, He'll, he'll crush your head. And Jesus came.
came for a purpose. And he said, for this purpose has the Son of Man come, has the Son of God come, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Thank God he came and he's destroyed the works of the devil in my life and in your life. And he's still working today to destroy the works of the devil. Everywhere the name of Jesus is lifted up and exalted, he's destroying the works of Satan in those lives to all that will accept him. Hallelujah. And so the liquor industry and the abortion proponents, come on somebody. Hallelujah. Those who are... Who are uh, uh, proponents of, of the you know, same-sex relationships and same-sex marriage and all that. Uh, but, but all of this that is opposed to the Word of God, when you stand for Jesus, that's what He came to destroy those works. Amen. We're, listen, listen, listen to me, church. And I hope you hear my heart today. We are not fighting the LGBT people but we are fighting and standing against that teaching that says that it's okay because it's not okay. I'm not fighting the alcoholic. I'm not down on the alcoholic. I'm not down on or fighting the drug addict. But what I am fighting and what this gospel is fighting and what it is against is the sin of, of drunkenness and of drug addiction. Listen, Jesus came to take that away. Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to wash it all out. And the world hates the name of Jesus. Jesus. When you name the name of Jesus Christ. That's why, you know, people say, people say, well, I'm a church member or whatever. Or I go to church or I go to abundant life. And we're glad for that. But what you need to say is, I am a Born again, blood-bought, spirit-filled, child of Almighty God. I am a Christian, and I belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lord of my life. But when you name the name of Jesus, look out. Best life, blessed life. Wonderful life, but it comes with persecution. I got to move on. This, bis- this biscuit's about done, isn't it? Je- Jesus said in John 15, He said, If the world loved me, they would love you also. But he said, because I have called you out of the world, the world hates you. And that's what Jesus said in John 15, 9. The world hates you. John wrote it in his epistle, you know, to, to not be, don't be surprised when the world hates you. You know how we are. We want everybody to like us. There's people that don't like me, and I can't imagine that, Brother Terry. I can't imagine that. 
we were, we were eating we were eating lunch last Sunday with Beth and Hank at the Chinese place over in town, and you know they bring those fortune cookies out. And so I popped it open after we ate. Listen, I'm not seeking the will of God in a fortune cookie, okay? <laughs> Listen to me. I'm not getting. I'm not trying to get a word from God in a fortune cookie. It's just something fun to do. So I opened it up, pulled the thing out, and read it. And it said, "Somewhere today, someone is saying good things about you." And I looked at Beth and Hank and Vicky, and I said, "I wished I could believe that was so." <laughs> You want everybody to love you and like you and be nice to you. Sometimes it don't happen because the world is not. You know, let me tell you. Jesus said if the world loves you, you better do some investigation. Amen? Praise God. So those are reasons, a couple of reasons where persecuted because of righteousness sake. We're persecuted because we love the Lord and we proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus. But look at some of the results of persecution. What kind of persecution comes to the believer? What, what, what kind of persecution can we as a church in America expect in the coming years? There's a lot of things we could say this morning, but one of the things, here's what Jesus said, going back to Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 11. Jesus said this, <clears throat> Blessed are you, and I already read this, I'm going to read it again, 5.11 of Matthew, Blessed are you when men shall, here's some of the things that they will do, they will revile you and persecute you and say, listen, all manner of evil against you falsely. Now that's the key word, make sure it's falsely. Amen? But so what Jesus was saying there, that there would be personal insults that would come to you as a believer, that people would revile you, that they would talk about you, that they will say things about you and maybe to you that are not very flattering. And I'm going to tell you, if you watch, there's just some stuff on TV I will not watch. I will not watch The View. You could not pay me enough money. Come on, somebody. But if you watch some of this garbage on TV where this liberal agenda is really, really at its height and at its apex, and they're, they're, they, they try to belittle the, the Christian. We're, we're called bigots and we're called, you know, um, hate mongers and we're called uh, homophobes. And I don't know, you know what? But, but, but they say a lot of things about the born-again Christian, the Christian that is that is not very flattering at all. They, they revile us. Listen, as a child of God, don't be surprised when you are the butt of other people's jokes. Don't be surprised that on your job, when you come into the break room, everybody else wants to go out of the break room and talk about you and leave you there by yourself. Jesus said that they would separate you from their company, but he said, don't worry about it. Hallelujah, because I'm with you. Yeah, and I'm on your side. 
You'll be the butt of their jokes. You'll be reviled. You'll be ridiculed. That's what Jesus said here. They will laugh at you. They will make fun of you. And he said they would speak evil of you trying to tear you down. When I, when I got saved as a young man and I was, I was working on a job and uh, working for an advertising company and we went to Hopkinsville, Kentucky twice a month for three days. And the two guys that I worked with, that I went with, I partied with them, drank with them for those three days, all of that, before I got saved. But the, but the first trip we made after I got saved, I mean, you know, I was like that. I was like that gardenia on that garbage heap. Amen. I, I, it was obvious something had happened to me. And I, I won't go into all the story, but the one guy that I worked with, he could not stand it. He had even made the statement that he was raised in a conservative church, but because they preached against uh, drinking alcohol, he left the conservative church joined this other religious affiliation because he said they don't care if I drink or not. Well, it don't make any difference what the church says about what your sin is. It, what does matter is what this book says about what your sin is. Come on somebody. But, but, but anyway, that's beside the point. But when he, when I told them I'd gotten saved, why, ain't you, why don't you have a beer with us? No, I got saved. I, I'm a child of God now. I'm a Christian now. Don't do that anymore. Oh, come on. There's nothing in the Bible that says anything about drinking. You can drink. And I said, no, I'm a child of God. I wasn't condemning what they were doing, but I just wasn't doing it. I wasn't partaking. That guy railed on me. He reviled me. He talked so mean to me. Oh, man, I was laying there on the bed in the motel room and I was just trying to ignore everything he said. He was calling me names and doing all this. The only thing I could think was, cow, God, and take me away. <laughs> Wasn't a good scene. But they will revile you. They will talk behind your back. They will make up stories. They will do things like that. To persecute you because of your faith in Christ. But not only will it be personal insults, but here's what, here's what I see coming. Here's what I see coming. Look, look with me in Acts 4. Do you have just a few more minutes? In Acts chapter 4. The New Testament church. The book of Acts church. You know, we say we want to be a New Testament book of Acts church. Do we really? Yeah, we want the signs and the wonders and the healings and the miracles and the revival and the souls and all that. Do we want everything that comes along with that? Because here's something else that we're leaving out. Remember Jesus said, hundredfold, now in this life, with persecution. Verse 17, Acts 4. Here's the first thing that happens. It says, But that it spread no farther. Peter and John had been brought before the council because of the lame man being healed. They were preaching in the name of Jesus, and they brought them before the council. They were, they were apprehended, and it said that it spread no farther among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or to teach 
in the name of Jesus. Here's the first, here's the first, um, the first phase of persecution by the powers that be, and that is threatening. You be quiet. You shut up. You do not preach that anymore. Have we gotten there yet? We're really, really, really close. I said we're really, really, really... Here in in the United States of America, we're really, really, really close for them coming in or contacting the pastors of churches. Actually, part it has kind of already happened. Remember a few years ago, was it the mayor of Houston that sent out a thing that all the pastors in Houston, Texas, and the mayor of Houston was a lesbian, and she sent out and said, all the pastors must send in their sermon notes for us to go over them to make sure there's nothing in their sermon notes about uh, and, and against uh, homosexuals or against uh, same-sex marriage or whatever the case. And I'm telling you, she was overloaded and overflooded. Every preacher was sending in their sermon notes. I'm going to tell you why she wouldn't like a lot of mine. Come on, somebody. But the thing was this, that it's, it's coming to that place where we've got to examine what you're going to preach. We're going to, we're going to uh, critique what you're saying. And if you're saying something we don't agree with, we will threaten you. We will take away your tax status. We'll, they've been threatening that for years. God, you know what? We don't need it anyway. Come on, somebody. We will not back down from the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The threats will come. And they threatened them that they should not preach in the name of Jesus anymore. But those threats didn't go anywhere. They just went out and continued to preach in the name of Jesus. But you know what the second, the second phase is? That not only did they threaten them, but I'm not going to take time to go read it, but the next thing that they did, the next thing they did, they caught them preaching again. And the second phase was they arrested them and threw them into pokey. If I get thrown in the pokey, is somebody going to bail me out? Amen. Praise God. I had a couple of amen, so. But they put them in jail. They locked them up for what they were preaching, for what they were teaching. Well, that could never happen. Not here in the good old U.S. We have... We have First Amendment rights. We have freedom of speech. Our forefathers came, the pilgrims came here seeking religious freedoms, and we have that. And to, we do, thank God. Now, I'm not, I'm, you know, we do, thank God. There's not Gestapos that, come, that are coming in here this morning with machine guns. They're not hauling us off the prison for preaching Jesus and singing about Jesus. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that it can never happen in America. And somebody said, well, what has happened? Well, listen, if you'll remember uh, five years ago in 2015, a, a lady by the name of Ken Dave, Kim Davis in the state of Kentucky who was a, uh, a county clerk for a certain county in Kentucky. And she was a born-again believer. She was a born-again Christian. And right after the Supreme Court made it the law of the land that, that same-sex marriage could take place, she refused as the cl- county clerk of that county she refused to sign her name to the marriage license of homosexual couples that came to get a marriage license. 
So what happened to her? You remember the story? You remember that Kim Davis got a decree from the judge that demanded her to sign those, that to have her name on there and to sign those marriage licenses. And when she refused to do it because she was a Christian, it violated her conscience. And she said, I cannot in good conscience as a Christian, uh, as, you know, agree to that or approve of that. The judge held her in contempt and ordered her to be locked up in the county jail indefinitely. He didn't give her 24 hours, 36 hours. He locked her up not for killing somebody, not for raping somebody, not for doing anything like that, but simply because she stood up for her God-given beliefs in the Word of God. She was incarcerated in jail indefinitely for her Christian faith. Without bail. So it does happen. Well, she got out five days. Some people got involved in getting her out. My point is, ladies and gentlemen, that it's not just coming. It's already here. It's already here. Amen? A couple that owned a bakery in Oregon refused to bake a cake for a homosexual same-sex wedding. And because of that, they were fined $50, $75, $100. No, they were fined, listen to me, $135,000. That's persecution. That's, that's persecution. That's persecution. That Was it the Benham brothers that had the show on HGTV that was a... I, I'm not that familiar with HGTV, but it was they were flipping houses and doing all this. But because, listen to me, their show was canceled and taken off the air. Why? Did, what did they do wrong? Simply because they had a biblical belief and biblical stand concerning abortion and same-sex marriage, and they were canceled out and taken, taken off the air. Are you listening to me this morning? There was a couple in Orange County, California that were fined. That were fined. Why were they fined? Why did they break the law? What did they do that was so terrible? They were having a Bible study in their own house without getting a written permit. I'm telling you, persecution's not just coming. It's here but it will get worse. It will get worse. We better prepare. We better get right. We better get full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. These limp-wristed, milk-toast, panty-waist, compromising preachers are not going not to make it. They may escape the persecution. But I'm not telling y'all that abundant life's going to escape anything. But I am going to tell you this. We're going to be ready for it. We're going to be fired up, full of the Holy Spirit. We, better, we, we might ought to increase from two prayer meetings to three prayer meetings or four prayer meetings. Amen. Because we're going to need Jesus like we've never needed Him before. Jesus even said that 
that a man's foes would even be those of his own house. Jesus said that in that persecution, that son would rise up against their parents, sons and daughters against their parents, family members against one another. When you've got someone in the family that's saved and the other members of the family are not saved, there's persecution even within the family. There are many women today, wives that, that are saved, that face the fury every weekend of a demonic, unsaved spouse that gives them, gives them persecution because they went to church serving the Lord. I don't know that that goes on here, but I can tell you ladies, if it's a lady, if it's a man, if your spouse is, is not saved and they're persecuting you for your faith in Christ, don't back down. Don't back down. You, you don't back down. That's why I say number one, number one, marry a Christian. Marry somebody, if you're a Christian, marry a Christian. Marry somebody who believes what you believe. Marry somebody who'll go to church with you. Marry somebody that'll worship with you. Marry somebody that'll pray with you. Come on. But sometimes people get married, you know, before they get saved, and one of them gets saved, the other one's unsaved. But, but, but you, 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 you're going to have problems. Paul said there'll be problems in the flesh. There'll be persecution. But don't let anybody or anything stop you from living for Jesus Christ. I got to get this biscuit out of the oven. Oh, help us, Jesus. It's already burnt. Is it burnt? <laughs> it's smoking real good anyway. <laughs> One uh, lady's husband was so incensed against her going to church. He forbade her to go to church and she continued to get her church clothes on to get ready to go to church. And he cussed her and he reviled her. He cussed the preacher. He cussed the church. He cussed everybody there. You're not going to that blankety blank church. I forbid you to go. You're not going to be a part of that. She just quietly continued to put her church clothes on and her makeup and get all ready. And so as she was going out the door, the last, his last ditch effort to stop her, he reached in the drawer and he pulled out a 38 and pointed it at her. And he pointed it at her head and he said now where are you going she said well honey I'll tell you what if you pull that trigger I'm going to heaven and if you don't I'm going to church oh hallelujah that's got to be the attitude that we have in the face of persecution we will not bow we will not compromise but like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego our God whom we serve will deliver us from your burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand O king, hallelujah amen it's coming it's coming, it's coming The reason for persecution, the results of persecution, but then as I close with this, the response to persecution. How do you respond to it? How do you respond when somebody gets up in your face and you know, you know how the flesh wants to respond. 
I heard somebody said, yeah, that 38, that 357. <laughs> but how do you respond? I heard somebody said one time, said, well, you know, the Bible says if they slap you on one cheek, turn the other, but it doesn't say what to do after that. Well, really, it does. It said, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. In other words, love them. The ones who persecute. I'm not telling you something easy to do, but I'm telling you this is the way Jesus said to handle persecution. Don't retaliate. Don't fight back. But love them in the Lord. Show them the love of Jesus Christ. Bless them. When they're cussing you out. Bless you, my brother. I'll be praying for you. Well, that's not easy to do when they're up in your face. Here recently, someone uh, told me that I was a borderline. Y'all have to tell me if this is right or not, because I thought it was crazy. Told me I was a borderline cult leader. Is that crazy? I've been called a lot of things. I've never been called a cult leader yet. So that's, yeah, that's a new uh, So they're saying all manner of evil against you falsely. So he said just to love them, to bless them. But let me tell you what he said to do. He said, act like, act like a king's kid. Act like your heavenly father. Act like your father in heaven because he sends his love and his blessing on the good and the bad, on the good and the evil. Sun rises on the good and the bad. Rain comes on the just and the unjust. God just, you know, he gives it to them whether they deserve the rain and food. And there's people out here that's evil and wicked, but they got three meals a day. God's still taking care of them. Amen? So those who curse you and the, those who hate you and those who lie on you and those who do things to you, despitefully use you, just pray for them. Lift them up to God. Amen. Pray for them. Bless them. Do something good. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do good. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good and be the children of your heavenly Father. And Jesus said this. Worship team, make your way back. Jesus said this. In response to persecution, He said, when they revile you, when they curse you, when they persecute you, when they lock you up, whatever they do to you, in that day, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice when they're persecuting you. Woo! When they took Peter and John off there and they, they, they took them and whipped them and beat them, 
And, and they had locked them up and whipped them and beat them. And when they, when they turned them loose, it said that Peter and John left. These are the apostles of Christ. They went from their presence rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Listen, persecution is coming. But don't let the persecution steal your joy. Don't let it steal your praise. No matter what comes or goes, you can rejoice and be glad in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Well, glory. That, that, that word rejoice actually means, and, and, and Luke said it this way, to leap for joy, just to jump up and down for joy. Anybody, you know, you've been coming here any length of time, you see me do that every once in a while. I can't help myself. I've got to jump every once in a while because I'm joyful. I'm happy. i got the joy of the Lord in my heart. Come on. Don't let no persecution rob you. Because they persecuted the prophets, Jesus said, before you. And if you're, you're in good company. You're in good company if they're talking about you. Stand with me. I don't know if I've helped you or not. I hope I have. The burden, the purpose of this message is to prepare us for the coming days ahead. Let me tell you something. We're living in an hour where if you wear the wrong political cap or shirt, you may have food thrown in your face or a soda dumped on top of you because of your support for a particular political candidate. You would be cursed and cussed and reviled because of that stand you took. And how much more when you stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in that day. So we have to prepare. We have to prepare. We need to pray. We need to seek God. We need to get closer to Jesus than we ever did before. And that parable of that sower, remember Jesus said that there was, there was seed, some of the seed of the Word of God fell on stony ground. And it sprung up immediately. But when the sun came out, it withered away. It didn't last long. And Jesus said, those are the ones that receive the seed of the Word of God and immediately receive it with joy and they're just rejoicing in the Lord. But when tribulation and persecution came because of the Word, because of the Word, they fell away. We can't fall away. we got to stand for Jesus. Amen. Father, thank You today. I pray for this congregation this morning that you will prepare our hearts for the persecution that's coming. We can't pray to escape it. You said that we will suffer persecution. But we pray for your grace. We pray for your strength. We pray for your power. 
that, Lord, we'll stand for You and be the witness for You that You want us to be, that we need to be in Jesus' name. Amen.